And so I wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. And we're going to do something a little different today. Rather than get into the word per se, I'd like to read you some of the story of St. Patrick. And you can find it online. I'll be reading from a story from Ligonier Ministries. And I'll post in the chat when I'm, or in the, in the comments when I'm done or in the description. I'll post in the description when I'm done uh, a more complete story from Christian History Magazine if you're interested. Which is, by the way, a great source, which you can always Google on your own. But uh, if you're interested in Christian history, that's a great source of finding what a rich, 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 rich history we Christians have throughout the last 2,100 years. But um, I don't know, are you concerned about our nation? Boy, I sure am. I've tried over, the, you know, this, this daily time when the word and prayer began with praying for our country leading up to the election. Uh, many of us thought it would be a very critical time. And we, we knew it would be a very controversial or a close contested election. And there was a lot of uh, concern about if, if um, the current administration was, in fact, elected. And, indeed, so many of our concerns, dare I say our fears, are coming to pass. And uh, our, things are changing radically. I don't know how much you're following, but things are changing radically in our nation from, uh, I mean, just everywhere you look, things are being undone, progress that was made in our nation economically, on the energy front, on, on the border security, and now it's going after um, uh, the abortion issue. Today they expect the Department of Health and Human Services director, who is a radical, radical uh, pro-abortionist, to be confirmed I mean, just everywhere you look, day after day, there's something new being done to, uh, to radically transform our nation from what we were moving towards, what we'd always traditionally been, into far one that really satisfies the far left. Well, St. Patrick is credited with saving Ireland, and not only that, but saving, some people believe, saving Western civilization. There was a good book out a number of years ago called How the Irish Saved Civilization. And uh, it goes back and it tells the story of Patrick and what happened as a result of this one man's life. One man's life. And so I, I'm, today I'm just going to read the story of St. Patrick and then we're going to pray for our nation. And, um, um, and I hope you'll derive inspiration from this, from the story of St. Patrick as we think of our nation. All right? When it comes to St. Patrick, the true story is even more exciting than the legend and myth. The facts are far better than the fable. This day that belongs to St. Patrick has become about leprechauns, shamrocks, pots of gold, and green. Green everywhere. Famously, the city of Chicago dumps 40 pounds of its top secret dye into, into the river, and green racing stripe courses through the city. But long before... There was, Saint Pat there was the St. Patrick of myth. There was the St. Patrick of history. Who was Patrick? Patrick was born in 385 in Roman Britannia, in modern-day Dumbarton, Scotland. Okay, so he was Scotch. Patrick opens his autobiographical St. Patrick's Confession with these lines. My name is Patrick. I am a sinner. 
Maybe you didn't know what we've been going over about our identity in Christ. Maybe you did. I don't know. But anyway, I am Patrick. I'm a sinner, a simple country person, and the least of all believers. I am looked down upon by many. My father was Calpurnius. He was a deacon. His father was Pontius, a priest who lived in, and I can't pronounce the name of the city. His home was near there, and there is where I was taken prisoner. I was about 16 at the time. Patrick skips over much of his first 16 years, but who can blame him? At 16 and being captured by barbarian Irish pirates is a pretty exciting place to begin a story. When the pirates landed on the, British co on the Irish coast, they took Patrick about 200 miles inland where he was a shepherd and farm laborer. Six years passed and Patrick was either a vivid dream, it was either, had either a vivid dream or a vision in which he was shown an escape route. Emboldened, Patrick made his break from his captors, traveling back over 200 miles to the shoreline. As he approached the docks, a British ship stood waiting. The sails unfurled, and Patrick was home, but he didn't stay long. Uh, some other details that aren't included in here. Actually, the ship went to France, where he, where he was trained in his theology and understanding. And actually, well, we'll, we'll read about this in a moment. But actually, the, uh, while on the ship, they were lacking food, and the, 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 um, as they were about to land, the, um, the captain of the ship mocked him in his Christian faith. Where's your God? We're about to starve, and there's no food. And just as they said that, a herd of pigs came, uh, came across their path, and they, they slaughtered them, and, and the, the people of the ship were all pagans. They slaughtered them to their pagan gods. But some of them ate and survived. Patrick evidently did not take part in the pagan sacrifice. Anyway, back to, the, back to the point here. Before he was a prisoner, Patrick's Christian faith meant little to him. That changed during his captivity. His previously ambivalent faith galvanized and served to buoy him through those long, dark days. Now that he was back in his homeland, he committed to his faith in earnest. He became a priest and soon felt a tremendous burden for the people that had kidnapped him. So he returned to Ireland with a mission. By the way, again, a detail left out of here. When he was a slave there in Ireland for those six years, his master was cruel, a murderer, a bloodthirsty, tyrannical master of clans. All right, they had clans. And, um, and he was to take care of the pigs out in the, um, out in the, in the you know, on isolation, and he had quite a bit of time in isolation, and it was there he claimed that he learned how to pray to God and commune with God and draw near to the Lord in the midst of his isolation, slavery, uh, and, and, and suffering under a cruel master. Back to the story. Patrick had no less of a goal of seeing pagan Ireland, no less of a goal than seeing pagan Ireland converted. These efforts did not sit well with Leoger, the pagan king of pagan Ireland. Patrick faced danger and even threats to his life. He took to carrying a dagger. Yet despite these setbacks, Patrick persisted. Eventually the king converted and was baptized by Patrick and much of the people of Ireland followed suit. Interestingly, we find other places he directed his evangelism towards the leaders of these clans. It's always an important evangelistic strategy. Who do you lead? Who do you aim for? And he 
aimed his uh, evangelistic efforts towards the leaders, and indeed people often followed. And when the king, uh, when the king converted, uh, much of Ireland converted underneath him or with him. Eventually the king converted and was baptized by Patrick, and much of the people of Ireland followed suit. A later legend would have it that Patrick rid all of Ireland of snakes. Well, no, snakes were not native to Ireland at the time. Instead, Patrick rid Ireland of marauding ways and a cultural and civil barbarism by bringing not only Christianity to Ireland, but by bringing a whole new ethic. It was not long ago that the New York Times best-selling book argued that St. Patrick and his Ireland saved civilization, the book I referred to earlier. Patrick would come to be known as the Apostle of Ireland, he planted churches, the first one likely at a place called Saul in Northern Ireland, a bit inland from the coast and just below Belfast. Patrick planted more churches as he crisscrossed Ireland. The challenge with Patrick is sifting through the legend. Take the shamrock, for instance. Some biographers claim definitively that Patrick used the shamrock as an object lesson of the Trinity to teach pagans about the Trinity. The God is one in essence, but three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's no evidence, however, for such a claim. However, we can use that. It's a, good, it's a good way to show the Trinity. One clover, the three pieces to it. Curiously, like most of his legend, St. Patrick is not even truly a saint. He had never been canonized by the Roman Catholic Church. Patrick himself told us he was a sinner, not a saint. Of course, we saw recently that all believers are saints, small s, canonized or not. Legend further has it that Patrick died on March 17th, 461 AD. He likely died in Saul where he planted his first church. A significant monument stands atop the hill overlooking the town. Panels depicting scenes from Patrick's life surround the monument's base. What casts a far greater shadow than this monument, however, is St. Patrick's Day. And in that day in the middle of March raises a significant question. Should Christians celebrate St. Patrick's Day? If you do, you might want to consider wearing orange, as we have in my background here. Here's why. After 1798, the color green was closely associated with Roman Catholicism and orange with Protestantism. After William of Orange, the Protestant king. The holiday is certainly not to be used as a means for excessive partying and celebration. But wearing orange and trying to tell people Saint, who St. Patrick really was might be a good way to celebrate. So we remember Patrick best not in the legends and fables and not in the ways his, ho his holiday tends to be celebrated. Perhaps we remember him best by reflecting on St. Patrick's breastplate, which has traditionally been attributed to him. The word breastplate is a translation of the Latin word lorica, a prayer, especially for protection. These prayers would be written out and at times placed on shields of soldiers and knights as they went out to battle. St. Patrick's Lorica points beyond himself and his adventuresome life. It points to Christ, the one he proclaimed to the people who had taken him captive. And here it is. And this is a great blessing. And this is a great prayer to pray. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I rise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, 
Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. The prayer uh, of, of uh, St. Patrick. What, this, what other history might bring out a bit more than this is, again, can you imagine? Here was a young man at age 16 taken off as a slave 200 miles away by cruel, cruel master, a cruel, bloodthirsty, tyrannical master. He escapes. He gets a vision of how he can escape. He walks 200 miles, malnourished already. He walks, finds a British ship, is able to board it and, and find his way to freedom. But while away, and, he, and it, it, while, that, while he was in that slavery, his faith became real to him. Christ became real to him. What had been uh, growing up a uh, nominal Christian religion, it became his, his hope, his refuge. Jesus became real to him. And while back in freedom, God leads him to go home, to go back into Ireland, to risk his life. He was a runaway slave. To risk his life, to convert them, and in converting them, he not only brought, they not only got saved, their whole culture changed. Paganism was overcome. They were Druid by nature was the primary thing. And, and the Druidism was um, overcome by the power of Christianity. The power of Christianity showed itself to be a better religion, more powerful religion, superior to this Druid religion of the pagan Ireland. And indeed, these marauding bands of, of pirates and so on, they converted, they changed, they became decent, hardworking people of, of, a, of a positive Christian morality and ethic. And from there, missionaries went all over Europe. And indeed, it can be said that they saved, uh, they saved Western civilization from as Rome was crumbling under the barbarians. So, does this say anything for our day? We need some Patricks, don't we? We need some people who are going to rise up and save our country, save maybe Christian civilization. We see rising darkness in our future. We see rising uh, tyranny, to be honest, a socialism, a left-wing, anti-Christian mindset that celebrates that which is evil and, and hates that which is good, that changes light for darkness, good for evil, that, that, that sees Christianity, the Christian faith as the ultimate thing standing in the way of, of the um, licentiousness and the uh, state power. Indeed, the problem with socialism and communism primarily is the state is God, and they see us as, no, we believe God is God. We don't bow the knee to the state, and we don't embrace the, the radical sexual revolution. And so the, those who are promoting this, we stand in the way. And uh, right now they got the power, and don't don't believe me. They 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 plan to use it. We need some St. Patrick's in our day. Today I'd like us to pray for revival in our land, and and really mean it for God to raise up like like He did Patrick. And I'd like us to make that our prayer this morning for our country. Okay, will you join me, Father in heaven? We thank you for the stories of history that give us hope. We thank you that at other periods of, of time when humanity, the, the, the evil of humanity was raising its ugly head and uh, the future seemed dark and oppressive and it seemed that those who were good and righteous, Lord, were, were being deeply oppressed, that somehow, Father, 
you demonstrated yourself greater and stronger. And you raised up a prophet, an evangelist, a mighty man or woman of God to, to courageously stand against the flow, to courageously stand against the powers that be, to bring the light of the gospel and the power of the gospel to a land and to see a whole nation, a whole land, a whole tribe, a whole area converted. I think, Lord, of how you did this with Patrick, Lord, he'd, he'd see heads of clans converted, people who had the power converted, and whole clans would become converted. And, and when the king became converted, much of the nation came, became converted. Father, you can do this, and you do it through people. We just think, Father, you've never brought a revival just by, I can't recall ever having a revival because it was written in the clouds or there was uh, some, something of that nature. Father, you may have used natural disasters or natural events, but you used people. You used people. You found a man. You found a woman. You found a person who would stand with courage, and you exalted them, and you let them be heard throughout the land. You did this with Patrick. You did this with Moses. You did this with Elijah. You did it with John the Baptist. Lord, history is full. The Bible's filled, and, and our Christian history is filled with times where you, you raised up a person. Father, we ask who will be the person in our day? Who will be the person? We're a big country. Maybe there'll be more than one person. But we pray, oh God, raise up, raise up. Among us, we pray, raise up amongst our youth, raise up amongst those of middle age, raise up among our, our seasoned citizens, a man or a woman or men or women who will raise high the banner of Christ, who will call our land repentance, who will challenge even our leaders, our president, our senators, our congressmen, our, our court, our judges, our governors, our business leaders, our Hollywood moguls, high-tech billionaires. Raise up people, Lord. Raise up someone. Raise up those who will call these people to repentance. Lord, it's not impossible. Indeed, what we face seems so dark and so difficult, but it's not more than what they were facing in Ireland. It's not more than what Elijah was facing with, with uh, uh, Jezebel. It's not more than what Moses was facing with Potiphar. With, uh, with, with um, forgetting his name, Lord, with, um, as he challenged the king of Egypt. It's not more than that, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you can do mighty, mighty, mighty things. We pray, O oh God, that you would have mercy on our land. We're asking these things for our glory. O oh God, we pray that we'd not be asking just for our comfort or our own selfishness. We think of our children, our grandchildren. We think of their future. We think of what's been given to us, the blessings of freedom that we've had, the blessings of a nation that had a strong Christian base. And Father, it's just been decimated. So, so much of it's been lost. We pray it could be restored. We cry out to you, O God, have mercy on our land. Have mercy on our land. Inspire us. Might your gospel go forth in power. Might those who believe the gospel understand how the implications of how it works out in every relationship in their family, in their church, in their relationships at work, in a relationship with our government, in every aspect of our being, might we 
know the Lordship of Christ deeper and deeper way all the time. Think of Moses as he challenged Pharaoh. That's who it was. It was Pharaoh. And he overcame by mighty, mighty demonstrations of the power of God. Indeed, this is what you did with Patrick. Mighty demonstrations of your power over the Druid priest. And the people were one. Oh, demonstrate your power, Father. Show that you're, show that you're more powerful than the gods of our age. You're more powerful than money. You're more powerful than pleasure. You're more powerful than, than the, the best Hollywood can produce. You're more powerful than the best of science can produce. You are the powerful, powerful God. When, when, our, when our idols do not come through for us, you can, and we pray that you will. We look to you. You are our God. We bless you today. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, within our realm, within our sphere, might we be mighty for you. Wherever we go today, might we be mighty for you. The things that we can't change, Lord, I'm, I'm, I can't, don't have access to the White House. Or the, there's people I can't talk to. We leave them in your hands. We ask you, Lord, to bring mighty, a mighty fear of God upon our governmental leaders. We think, Lord, of radical changes that are happening in, in abortion procedure, the conscience clause being taken away, that the forcing people wanting to go to medical school are going to have to learn to do it, going to have to participate if they want to go through in, in abortion procedures and, and, and uh, funding of abortion and uh, so many things, Lord. So many things have radically changed. We can't even figure out what's a man and a woman anymore. What's a male and a female? What's a guy and a girl? Lord, we, some places aren't even allowed to use this language anymore. Father, we pray, have mercy on our country. We're concerned deeply with how radically language is changing, morality is changing. Everything, Lord, quickly, in just a matter of a couple of months. Father, we pray, stem this evil tide. Raise up a standard against it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you'd said you'd raise up a standard against the enemy. And we ask you to do that. Use us. We make ourselves available. Give us courage, we pray. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and your power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, folks. So we do pray for our nation today. We've been on the on the um, we've been talking so much about the our our position in Christ, our stand in Christ, because that I want you to know, that's why we have courage. That's why we can stand against evil. Because we know it's it's not just to make us feel good. It's not just, well, my sins are forgiven, I'm justified, I'm redeemed, well, I can feel good. No, all of these things give us a solid foundation to say, I need fear no man. I need fear no man. I need fear no government. I need God is on my side. If God is for me, God has forgiven my sins. God has given me eternal life. God has bought me out of the slave market of sin and redeemed me so that I'm his. These doctrines we've been seeing are designed to give us courage and a man like Patrick who we just saw here was a man of great courage why because he was a man who knew God was with him and God is with us and in our days and and, and our days are changing we've not been talking a lot about this each morning we've been focusing on who we are in Christ it's been our my intentional but be aware uh, we, we, we live in troubling times and we must know who we are. And we must know who our God is and that he's with us and stand firm and strong and courageously whenever the opportunity presents itself. We, our, our freedoms are at risk. Many of our freedoms, let's live them out. 
Let's exercise our freedom of religion, speech, assembly, etc. These are our inalienable rights. Let's not surrender them. Let's stand strong. Why? Because we've got a greater king we serve. We've got a higher calling in life. And these freedoms that we've been given that are endangered, let's stand up for them. Let's live them loud. Amen? All right, folks. God bless you. You uh, On this St. Patrick's Day, if, you, if it comes up, instead of drinking beer, you might say, do you know who the real St. Patrick was? And talk about how he saved civilization, saved Western civilization by, from barbarians by bringing the gospel of Christ to the land of, of uh, Ireland.